hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Lord God, we thank you that in the midst of our week that we can take time to come and to worship you, to be in community, and to hear your word, Lord. I ask that as I speak tonight, that you would inform my words, that that which is not of you would fall to the ground, but that that is of your spirit would minister to our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Cool. Well, to introduce you to the main idea of my message this evening, I want to start with a story. Towards the start of last year, I made the decision that I wanted to get my motorbike license. I decided this because I was going to be leaving my job at Dairy NZ. I was going to have to give back my company vehicle. I was going to be a student again. I thought, motorbikes are a good way to save some money on fuel. Or maybe I just saw how cool Daniel Collingwood looked on his bike, and I was like, sounds like something I'd be keen for. <laughs> I booked my training, and as I started to learn how to ride the motorbike, I found that I was steering the motorbike a little all over the place. I was swerving a little back and forth, I was crossing a line or two, and truth be told, I may have come close to knocking over some cones. It was at this point that my instructor called me over and she told me a simple tip. What you set your eyes on is where you will go. And you know, as I applied her principle, I was steering a lot more effectively, and my cone-crushing count was a lot lower. <laughs> so that cone-crushing count was a lot lower. The reason I tell you this story is because I think my instructor's tip can be applied to so many things in life. What we set our eyes on is where we go. And this is so similar to a scripture that I want to highlight to you this evening from Romans chapter 8, verse 6 which in the ESV reads, the mind set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. In the simplest form, what does this mean? It means if we make the decision to set our mind on the things of God, we have life and peace. If we set our mind on the things of flesh, which is our sinful nature, it is death. So, as we go through the message tonight, the question I want you to consider is, what am I setting my mind on? Is it the things of God, or is it the things of the flesh? Well, what does it mean having a mindset on the, what does having a mindset on the flesh look like? What is the fruit of having our mind set on the flesh? For this, I think of my dear, sweet auntie, which is hopefully not watching on the live stream. <laughs> she was adopted by my grandparents from birth into a family where she would be a child, well, she would be child number five, so the fifth child. She grew up in a loving Christian home, but yet she didn't feel like she fit in. She was a young Māori girl living in a family that clearly had a very different cultural background from herself. She also grew up believing whether she was conscious of it or not, that the reason she was with my mum's family was because at some level she had experienced rejection from the day she was born. My auntie got into her teen years, and with this hurt, 
she thought she would try and satisfy herself with the things of the world, the things of the flesh. She got herself caught up in a world full of addiction. She, in anger and inner hurt, walked away from her family for a number of years because of this rejection inside, this inner longing for acceptance. Living her life with her mind set on the things of the flesh, trying in vain to find a temporal peace, was costing her deeply as she tried to satisfy her hurts. She instead felt enslaved to these things that she was seeking. It was robbing her in her day-to-day life, and, she wasn't, and as she wasn't putting her faith in Christ, she was on a path that would have eternal consequences. There is something common to all the fruit of setting our minds on the things of the flesh. Paul gives us a list of some of these things in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this, the things that we know when we think about what are the desires of our sinful nature, what does our mind go to, things that we in the world are struggling with. If we take just a few examples, such as drunkenness, sexual immorality, and idolatry, on the face of it, all these things try to suggest to humanity that they will give us a satisfaction, give us the satisfaction that we crave. They try to promise that they will fulfill the longing of our hearts. But the truth is that these things do not satisfy us, particularly in the long term. For a short while, they may alleviate our feelings and hurt. They may even give us temporary pleasure. But the truth is that the, flesh, the fruit of the flesh robs us, not just in the long term, but they begin to enslave our minds in our day-to-day life. They rob us of experiencing an abundant life, being in right relationship with God, both in the present and eternity. For this is the reason that God sent his son to die and pay for our sins in the flesh. God knew that living life with our mind set on the things of the flesh results in death. That's what it says in Romans 8, 6. Without putting our faith in Jesus and setting our minds on the things of the spirit, there is no power to overcome the desires of the flesh. I'll say that again. Without putting our faith in Jesus and setting our mind on the things of the spirit, there is no power to overcome the desires of the flesh. Romans chapter 8, verses 7 to 8 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What then does it look like to have our mindset on things of God? What is the fruit of having our mindset on the Spirit? Again, if we look at Galatians 5, chapter 22 to 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, all forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. When we look over this list, who does not want to embody these things? Who does not want this to be the fruit of your life? A person in our world may even say, I'm going to put all my energy into displaying these things. On the surface, it would seem like a great pursuit. Someone that is trying to display these characteristics would be a lovely person to be around. This is the sort of person I would want to have as a friend. But outside of putting our faith in Christ and setting our mind on the things of the Spirit, within ourselves we cannot inwardly conjure up this fruit on our own. Not in a way that would please God, as it said in Romans chapter 8, verses 8. Turning back to our verse in Romans, the house churches in Rome that Paul was writing to were made up of Jewish and Gentile believers. Within the church, there was this power struggle occurring between the two groups. The Jewish believers were still trying to reconcile this new way of life, a life where to be in right standing with God does not mean living out the letter of the law that we read in the Old Testament, but by being people that are in Christ, who set their minds on the things of God, that is the Spirit. Paul himself was a Pharisee who would have been skilled in the Jewish traditions and had a thorough knowledge of the law. That is why it's so powerful that God uses Paul to encourage them in Romans 8, verses 3 to 4, when he says, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." Paul was reminding the Jews of the truth of the gospel, that people were unable inwardly of themselves to live out the law because they were weakened by the flesh. Instead, the gospel is to put our faith in Christ, receive the Holy Spirit, and be empowered by the Spirit to live out the essence of the law. We, the church, are like these believers that are mentioned in verse 4. Those who are called not to walk by according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Only then, when we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, can we actually walk out the essence of the law. And what is the essence of the law? It's what Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Church, it is only by putting our faith in Christ and setting our mind on the things of the Spirit that this could even possibly be accomplished. As I looked back over the fruit of the Spirit that Paul outlines in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. I thought about 
when I have clearly seen this fruit in my life due to the power of the Spirit. My mind went to a moment when I was in Nepal with my friends last year. On the trip, I was praying to God that he would lead me in this coming year and what his will was for my life. I was also praying that his spirit would empower me to be faithful and equip me to actually live it out. At this time, I had a great job, which earned a good salary, and I was feeling quite comfortable in my role. My disclaimer here this evening is that I'm not saying that these things are bad, and I'm not telling you here, quit your jobs. That's not the message tonight. But God had definitely been using me in my workplace. But for me, I just felt distinctly that God was leading me to resign from my job and pursue theology studies at Laidlaw Bible College. It felt and still does feel like a holy assignment and that I was to trust God and that he would be faithful and provide me with all that I need. It was in that time of decision that the Spirit of God gave me such an inner peace. Even when I thought about the financial sacrifice or the effects that this could have on my career, I had such a distinct peace that going to Laidlaw was in line with the desire of God for my next season. On a side note, this decision, funnily enough, allowed me to have so many more conversations with colleagues and farmers about my faith than I had ever had the opportunity to do before. People were really intrigued. Why would I give up a good, stable job in a pandemic economy to go and get another student loan to study God and the Bible? It didn't make so much sense, but they were so interested. Why would you have such a passion and an interest? For you, when you think of the fruit of the Spirit in your own life, you may think about how the Spirit has transformed you or believers around you. Maybe you've seen unexplainable contentment or joy in the life of a believer despite significant pain or trial. This can only come from the Spirit within and is why we should set our mind on the things of the Spirit. At the end of the verse of Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it speaks of a peace that will come from having our mind set on the Spirit. Ultimately, this peace comes from knowing our position with God. It is, a, it is a spirit within us that helps us to remind us of this. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 5 of this same peace. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with Christ through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We as believers are made right standing with God by putting our faith in Christ. We have peace with God because of Christ. Towards the beginning of the message, I ask you to reflect on what you set your mind on. Whether this is the things of the flesh or the things of the spirit. I am sure that when the Roman church received the letter, they would have been questioning, well, which is it? Am I still setting my mind on the things of the flesh? Or am I setting my mind on the things of the Spirit? Paul may have been aware of this, and he encourages the Roman church, and so I hope to encourage you also this evening. He says this to the church in Romans chapter 8, verse 9 to 11. You, however, 
are not in the flesh, but are in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. It's just astonishing if you just step back and read the power of what it is to, to receive the Spirit and how the freedom that we have. With that in mind, if we are those that are in the Spirit, those who have our minds in this, on the Spirit, then how should we live? Paul continues in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 4. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. When we put our faith in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit to empower us step by step to throw off the desires of the flesh. I'm not saying that we will always get it right. I can promise you we will not. We will sin every single day. Instead, we have the Spirit living within us that can convict us and enable us to be transformed. We live knowing that we are at peace with God and that His grace covers us as we go on this journey. And how amazing is it that we are people with the Spirit that are adopted to be the children of God. Tonight, there may be some of you that put your faith in Christ, but it does not feel like you are living with your mind set on the things of the Spirit. Some of you may know that the Spirit is leading you, but you want to lean in even further. Others of you may not yet have put your faith in Christ. Wherever you are this evening, I'd invite you to stand and take some time to pray where you're at and ask the Spirit that dwells in you, if you're a believer in Christ, what he may be saying to you in this moment. What are things that aren't in line with the Spirit that he would ask that you would surrender? What are things that, as a, as a child of God, that he says, you don't need to carry that anymore. You don't need to put your interests in that anymore. What will you lay down? Do you trust me to actually come in and give you life and peace where before you had death? I'm going to invite you just to spend some time reflecting on that and then I'm going to pray and we'll continue in worship.
God, we just, we come before you this evening. Lord God, we thank you that when we put our faith in you, that you do give us your Holy Spirit. Lord God, I'd ask that your Spirit would be speaking to individuals, Lord, that you'll be encouraging them that you do give them the power to overcome the things that so easily enslave them, that so easily enslave us, Lord. And that we are people that are to walk according to the Spirit. Lord God, we just thank you for your Son. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.